God is good? And all the time, would you pray with me? God, we celebrate today a risen Savior. Lord, we cling to the words of Paul that said he preached the gospel. We believe the gospel. We are saved by the gospel. Lord, we thank you for the gospel that it is simple. We believe that Jesus died. He was buried. And three days later, he was powerfully risen from the dead. And we proclaim Jesus is alive today. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you. you. may be seated this morning. I wasn't supposed to jump up here yet, but I couldn't contain myself. I just ran up here. God is good. And all the time. If you are new here, my name is John. I'm blessed to serve as a pastor here. And uh, thank you for being here uh, today on opening football day weekend, right? All right. Some of you are excited about that. All right, we're going to have a test. Jesus is alive. Do you believe that? Yes. Opening football day weekend. Yes. Jesus is alive. Yes. All right. He deserves more credit than your losing Cowboys. All right. All right. I've offended a few of you. That's all right. I'm a Cowboys fan. Well, I was in the 90s. Hadn't much to cheer about since then. I, my son is 26 years old. He's an avid Cowboys fan, and I said it's his fault. They haven't been good since he's been born. So maybe he'll choose another team. I don't know. This is not in my notes. Let's get to notes. All right. Hey, I just want to make sure that you're aware. You have two cards on your seat or around you today. One of them is for a manna worldwide. Next week is going to be our manna Sunday. I want to encourage you to be here for that. If you're not real familiar about manna, uh, manna was started by one of our church members, Bruce O'Neill. Bruce, did you just walk in? Or are you late? I, I just happened to see you. Bruce back there. Bruce, will you wave at us? All right. Everybody say hi, Bruce. He likes to call himself Bruce Almighty, but that's not really true. <laughs> Anyways, scan the QR, find out some information. And next Sunday, this card will not be on your seat, but there will be a commitment card. It'll be an opportunity for you next Sunday to join and partner with MANA. Hallmark is blessed to have been a part of, of MANA since it first began. And as uh, Bruce is a dear friend of mine, and Bruce was saved a few years ago at the old location at Hallmark Church. Bruce was baptized at Hallmark Church. Bruce was called to be a missionary at Hallmark Church And it's people like Bruce that really, that's the DNA of Hallmark, right? We are, as we always say, we're biblically driven, we're outwardly focused, we're radically generous, and we're personally involved. And so come back next week. We're going to have in all our connect groups, you're going to have a MANA director that will be in your connect group. Some of the connect groups will be combined. Uh, and then in Sunday morning service next Sunday, Bruce is going to share his story and really a little bit about how God put on his heart to start this ministry. And MANA currently has uh, centers in over 40 different countries feeding people the word of God, also feeding them a meal every single day. Isn't that amazing what God has done? And so come back. Some of you are, have been giving to Hallmark, um, giving to MANA since it first started. Some of you are just going to be hearing about it. So take time to read this information. On the, the second one is Friend Day. We've already talked about Friend Day. Take a card, invite someone, but Invite your neighbor, your coworker, and bring someone with you because the goal is not just to fill the pew. The goal is to fill up heaven, right? We want to send more people to heaven, lead people to find and follow 
Jesus. So find your way to Mark chapter 8. Some of you will be in a printed Bible. Some of you are going to be on a digital device. And if you are on your phone or tablet or, or iPad, you can look up the YouVersion Bible app. All our notes are under the events. Hallmark Church, you can find that. It may help you remember what I've said because I'm going to say a lot today. We are in this final week of our little short series called Be Healthy, and we've been talking about body, mind, and soul. And, and in, really, God orchestrated all of the events for this series to be just at this time for us to introduce last week one of our members who uh, teaches at Southwestern Seminary that's offering through uh, uh, the ministry called Soul Care Network some free counseling for you as a church member. Uh, you can go to the website and get all the information on that. And then we're offering these seminars starting uh, September 24th. So September 24th is a big day, right? We have Friend Day, then we have our first seminar in here. I think you'll be surprised at how many people that you know would be interested in coming to Friend Day and also to one of these seminars. Week one of our study was the, uh, the mind, right? So we talked about Proverbs 1, verse 7. I'm going to give you just a quick overview to catch you up if you weren't here for the last two uh, uh, messages. So Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This verse highlights really a theme that's throughout the entire Bible. And throughout the entire Bible, it'll be used in different terms. Like there's two mindsets. There's two ways. There's two paths. There is the wise way, the foolish way, the wide way, the narrow way. And all of these, and all throughout Scripture, we're given a choice. Like Adam and Eve were given a choice in the garden. You can choose to do it your own way, or you can follow God. And in this one verse, we see that path, right? We see the two ways. We see the two mindsets. The fear of the Lord, to know and to understand who God is, is the beginning of knowledge. We said that the beginning of knowledge or the greatest knowledge was to know Jesus, right? John three sixteen. God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you realize that's the greatest information you can give to someone? The greatest knowledge and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Then we talked about, in the second week, last week, about the body, it got awkwardly quiet a few different times, but we really honed in on chapter 6, verse 18 of 1 Corinthians that Paul says in the first part of verse 12 and following is like some principles we can learn in the gray areas of the, you know, the, the, the ways to follow Christ that aren't in the parameters of thou shalt not. But then we get to verse 18 and Paul is very clear, flee sexual Immorality. We define sexual immorality, what we see in Scripture, as the definition of sexual immorality as sexual thoughts or actions outside the parameters of a biblical marriage. We also understand that a biblical marriage, God ordained marriage, God created marriage, and it's one male with one female for a lifetime. That's God's plan. That's God's definition of marriage. So anything outside of that, Paul says, what's the first word in this on the count of three, I want you to say it. Ready? One, two, three. Flee. You didn't do very good. One, two, three. Flee. Flee. Maybe I didn't give good instructions. Flee. Run. Remember last week? Don't, I don't, can you guys see the line that's right here that I'm pretending like here? And do you guys actually see there is a line here? I, I went away last Sunday. It's like they have no idea. I'm pretend, there actually is a line here, okay? I crossed it. 
Somebody, somebody saw it. Flee. Why should we flee sexual immorality? Paul says in verse number 20, you, your body, you, your soul, you were bought at a price. You are not your own. Therefore, glorify God. My body should be used as an instrument for righteousness, Paul said, for the glory of God, not for my own pleasure. Again, we think of two ways. We have a way of self-pleasure. We have the way of of holiness and purity, which God has called us to. And so all throughout Scripture, we're given choices. Which path are we going to choose? Today, we're going to have another opportunity to choose one or two ways. And the stakes are very high. What way will we choose? We're talking about the soul. So in Mark chapter 8, let me give you this quote regarding the soul. This is what George MacDonald said. You don't have a soul... You are a soul. You have a body. Let me read this statement for you. Human soul seems to be distinct from the heart. It has been said that there are only two things that last forever. The word of God and the souls of men. Every human being who has ever lived is a soul and all of those souls still exist somewhere. Do you realize you are an eternal being? Yes or no? You're going to spend eternity somewhere. Right? Again, it gives us an understanding of there's two paths, there's two ways. One leads to life, one leads to destruction. Heaven, hell. And you choose which one you go to. Aren't you thankful you get a choice in that? It also underscores the importance that everyone else needs to know they have a choice in which way they want to go. That's why it's of utmost importance for me and for you as a follower of Jesus that we just don't know the choice, we share the choice. There are two choices, two paths. And just so we're clear on what those choices are, and again, as we talk in Mark chapter 8 about the soul, here's the two paths. The souls rejecting God's love are condemned to eternally pay for their sins. The other path. The souls who acknowledge their own sinfulness and then accept and then receive God's forgiveness, his gracious gift, will live forever in the presence of Jesus. Now, giving those terms, doesn't it seem obvious which choice and which path you should take? One leads to eternally pain and judgment and damnation for your sins. The other is to simply say, I'm not good enough. But thank Jesus, he was. And I receive the gift, grace, forgiveness, mercy, salvation. Do you guys understand the two paths? Have I declared it, have I I defined it well enough? And it seems to me it should be easy which path to choose. Let's get to our text, okay? Because Jesus is going to speak specifically about those paths and about our soul. Verse number 34. This is Jesus. When he, Jesus is who we're referencing here. When Jesus had called the people to himself with his disciples. So the setting here, the disciples are with him, but he's called more people together around him. And he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him, and there's two directives here. Let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Verse 35, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels 
Well, they'll save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Whoever's ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The reality is what Jesus is saying, if you accept Jesus, he will accept you. But if you reject Jesus, he will what? Reject you. Two paths. You can choose to accept Jesus and his payment of sin for your, your life, or you can choose to reject him. That's your choice. You see, the cost, what Jesus is trying to explain to his disciples, he gathers the crowd with his disciples. What Jesus wants them to know is that the cost of discipleship is very high. The cost to follow Jesus is very difficult. The cost to follow Jesus is not the comfortable path. It's not the easy path. The cost of following Jesus is high, but the cost of not following Jesus is much higher. The payments are just paid differently. Two paths. Which will you choose? And so what he says, and, and notice how he's kind of sandwiched this. So if you look in verse number 34, whoever desires to come after me, which simply means whoever desires to follow me. And then what, is he, what are the two things he says we must do if we are actually going to be a follower of Jesus? We must do what? First, deny ourselves. Second, take up our cross. And then he says it again, follow me. He wants it to be very clear that if you want to be a follower of Jesus, here's the two things you must do. Deny yourself, take up your cross. I, I don't see anywhere in Scripture before this moment, and even in this moment, that Jesus tells the disciples by what means he will die. He has just a second before this told them that he's going to die. But I'm not sure if he's ever told them that he's going to die by the cross. Now, what does Jesus mean when he says, take up your cross and follow me? Okay? I've practiced a few times, and a few times I've hit my head pretty hard, so we'll see if I'll do it again. When Jesus said, take up your cross, this is what he meant. Does this look comfortable to anybody in the room? How do you think Jesus felt when he picked up his cross? So although they may not have understood, Jesus was saying, look, this is what's going to happen to me. They knew what the cross meant. And I'm not sure that in our culture today, when we see, you know, the pretty cross hanging from a necklace or tattoo, that this is the picture that comes to mind. What is, the, what is Jesus saying? What does the cross mean? What is he saying that if I'm going to be a true follower of Jesus, that I'm going to be willing daily, he would say in another text, take up my cross and follow him. What is the cross? What's the implications of picking up my cross? Of course, the, the Jews knew that at this period of time that they had watched, the Romans had executed many Jewish people. But what, what are the implications? What is, what is implied by me taking up my cross? Well, specifically what the cross is going to 
bring with it is suffering. And Jesus is saying, if you want to be my follower, you got to be willing to what? That's not really the popular thing to preach, is it? If you come to Jesus, all your bills are going to be paid. Life is going to be great. Showers of blessings, right, we used to sing. That's not the message Jesus gave us, is it? Now, he said he'd give us peace, but his peace is him. Not necessarily peaceful circumstances. Suffering. What else is the cross going to identify us with? Rejection. And with that rejection is going to come shame, humiliation, publicly. And they would strip our Savior down, spit upon him, mock him, slap him across the face, beat him. Rejection. And for us, and, and I'm not trying to just dog on you because I'm, I'm right there with you. Sometimes I find it hard to take a door hanger and hang it on my neighbor's door because, well, everybody in the neighborhood app is going to know I'm that guy. You ever felt that tension? Let's just, it's okay, right? We, we all have felt it. Rejection. Shame, embarrassment, publicly. Let's not forget what the last thing that this cross implicates. Death. Daily I'm going to die to myself and my own ambitions, my own desires, my own lust. And I'm going to surrender my life. I'm willing to take up my cross every Every day. And it seems like this is out of nowhere. Why all of a sudden does Jesus say, hey, disciples and all the crowd, come here. Hey, if you want to be my disciple, this is what it looks like. It's not easy. It's not comfortable. You're going to be rejected. You're going to suffer. You need to be willing to die. Let's go back a few verses. Let's, let's grab the context. Verse 27. Mark chapter 8, verse 27. Now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi. On the road he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others the prophets. And here's the question that each of you need to answer for yourself. I want you to put yourself in this period of time. You've just watched Jesus do some amazing miracles. Who do people say that I am? And your answer, some say Elijah, the prophet. And then what does Jesus ask of you? Who do you Say that I am. What did Jesus, what did, what did Peter, Peter always talked first, right? Lots of times he got it wrong, didn't he? 
How many of you, let's be honest, how many of you, you, you're most like Peter? You always speak too soon, and you're like, why did I just say that? Put your hand up. You should have already had your hand up. You were ready to go. All right. You got it right this time. Peter says, you are the, what's the word? Christ. Jesus has not identified himself as that. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the king of kings, the one we've been waiting for. It's you. Can you imagine that moment when the disciples realized, because what does Jesus say? He strictly warned them. They should tell no one about him. Shh. It's not my time yet. In Matthew, the response, Jesus told Peter, Blessed are you, because men didn't reveal this to you, but my Father, who is in heaven, has revealed it to you. In other words, Jesus says, you're right, Peter. I'm Christ. I'm the Messiah. I'm the anointed one. I'm the one that has come to deliver my people. But what does he say in follow-up to that? Verse 31. Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must, what's the word? He must be, what is it? And then he must be what? Killed. Suffer. Rejected. Killed. Does that sound familiar? Suffer. Rejected. And killed. This is kind of what we just sang about. You know how the song kind of got real somber, left us on a note there like, hmm. And this is the note. Yes, I'm the Messiah, but the Messiah is going to have to suffer. He's going to be rejected. He's going to be killed. After that, Three days, what is he going to do? Can you say amen to that? And he spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him. Okay, so all of you that raised your hand that you're Peter, here you're going to get it wrong real quick, all right? You did great. Now you did terrible. So Peter (laughs) took him aside. He began to to rebuke him. I'm not the smartest person, but I'm not sure that if you just told someone there, Christ, the Messiah, the King of kings, Lord of lords, the anointed one, that the next thing out of your mouth should say, hey, Jesus, you got it wrong. Isn't that what Peter just did? Yeah, Jesus, I'm on your team. No, Jesus, you're wrong. Okay, what is Jesus going to say? I'm sure Jesus is really kind and soft words. I wish I, I wish I could visualize what all we can see is what the scripture says, right? He spoke openly. Peter took him aside, pulls Jesus aside and rebuked him. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he did what? He rebuked Peter. Get behind me. Who? That's a really soft word, right? For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. 
two paths there, isn't there? We can have a mindset of man or the mindset of God. We can have a temporal thought or an eternal thought. And why was, why was Jesus so harsh with Peter? Get behind me, Satan. The same words that he spoke to Satan in the desert. Why would he be so harsh? Because what Peter was offering Jesus was the kingship without suffering. And guess what Satan in the wilderness was offering Jesus? Kingship without suffering. So this is why Jesus says, hold on, Peter, you've got it wrong. So most of the Jewish people in this time, although they knew Isaiah 53 and although they knew Psalm 22, they did not see those particular passages as prophecy of Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. What they were anticipating was that Jesus was going to come in and overthrow the Roman government. He was going to free them from bondage. But Jesus didn't come to free them from Roman bondage. He came to free them from the bondage of sin. And in order for him to free us and them from the bondage of sin, he had to do what? Take up his cross And be willing to do what? Suffer, be rejected, and killed. And Jesus asked us, if you really want to be a follower, then you're going to have to be willing to do what? Suffer, be rejected, and die. Jesus wants us to get to the place in our life that we want him more than we want to be comfortable, have all the money in the bank, whatever your American dream is. Jesus wants us to get to the place that more than that, I want to follow Jesus. And sometimes what we want out of life, mind, body, or soul, is not what Jesus wants for us. Would you agree with that? But what are you going to choose? Because what he says is, what, what is someone going to give in exchange for his soul? You may get all that you desired and find out you don't know Jesus. One of the most alarming passages in scripture is when people stand in front of Christ and say, let me in. And Jesus says, I never knew you. But Jesus, we did all these miracles. We even cast out demons and we did it for the sake of the gospel. Depart from me, you are workers of iniquity. So you need to ask yourself the question, who am I really following? Have I given my life to this thing called Christianity without dying to self, without being willing to suffer, be rejected, 
and die if need be? Have I signed up for Christianity that's comfortable? Have I signed up to be a follower of Jesus if everything's good? Maybe, maybe you need to ask yourself, am I just a fan or am I actually a follower? And the, the, the reality is I cannot answer that question for you. I'm going to give you three practical ways. I think you can evaluate your own life, though. So I think probably some of you in the room today, you've never actually given your life to Jesus. Some of you, it's because you didn't know you could. And I'm thankful you're here today that you could know that the gift of salvation, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of heaven, eternal life, forgiveness of all your sins is free. Can we say amen to that? And if you don't know how to do that, please, after the service, come talk to me. The Bible says all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that what the gospel says is true. 1 Corinthians 15 says the gospel is very simple, that Jesus died, that he was buried, that he came back to life, and he did all that to pay the penalty of your sin debt. If you believe that, Jesus says you can have eternal life. And I think there's some of you that have never done that before. Some of you, it's because you didn't know you could. And some of you have just been playing church. And you're a fan, not a follower. In the words of Jesus, depart from me, I never knew you, should alarm you. But some of you in here, maybe more like me than, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. I signed up for it. I knew what I was getting into. I knew that there could be suffering and rejection and, and be willing to die. But sometimes on a normal day, I look at that cross beam and I think, not today. Kind of want to just be comfortable. Do you get, does anybody identify with that? Okay, let's be honest. Raise your hand. Okay. And maybe today it's just need to say, you know what? I'm all in. So, so here's the three practical ways you can evaluate your life. And, and you need to evaluate your life. Am I all in? Am I a true follower of Jesus? How do you spend your time and your talents, and your treasures. I think these three things are the greatest barometers of whether Jesus is someone you're a fan of or a follower of. If you're all in, I know what you do with your time and your talents and treasure. If you're just a fan, I know what you're doing with your time and your talents and your treasures. Jesus wanted the disciples to know, don't just follow me because I'm feeding the thousands. Don't just follow me because I can provide for you. Don't just follow me because it looks good on a resume. Whatever it is, follow me because I've humbly laid my life down for you, paid the penalty of your sin debt. Now go tell others about me. 
Are you a fan or a true follower? I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment. Jesus said, I came to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. And I'm here to tell you what we see in scripture, you're not going to have the abundant life if you're not all in. So what do you want? You want all of Jesus? Or just part? Two paths, two ways, two choices. I'm going to encourage you this morning, if God has spoken to your heart, in a moment we're going to stand and, and sing, worship, then come and, and pray. Or, or just stay seated and pray. Evaluate your own heart. God, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for grace and mercy. I thank you for the gift of salvation. Lord, forgive me for the days that I, uh, well, I choose to be a fan, not a follower. God, I, I pray you would give me the strength and the courage and the boldness to every day pick up my cross and follow you. I pray for each of us in the room. Lord, if there's someone in the room that is not a true follower of you, I pray today would be the day of their salvation. For a lot of us in the room, Lord, I, I just pray we would recommit. We're all in. Sign me back up. I'm willing to suffer. I'm willing to be rejected. And Lord, if need be, I'm willing to die. Why, verse 35 tells us, for the sake of the gospel. Lord, it's in your name we pray. I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning. We're going to continue in worship. As I said, it's a time for you just to, to sing praise of the Lord. If you want to come and pray, feel free to do so.